Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. And my name is Sydney. And we are two members of the JLU podcast team who enjoy analyzing the DC films released by Warner Brothers Studios. Other contributors to this analysis are Alessandro Maniscalco and Rebecca Johnson. You can find us all on Twitter individually, and you can also follow the show at JLU Podcast. In this episode, we're going to discuss scene 24 of Wonder Woman, directed by Patty Jenkins. This is the scene just after Diana told off the generals. And Diana and Steve exit out into the hallway and the stairway, and they kind of continue the conversation, and the emotions kind of continue rolling out here into the next scene. Um, But first, let's start by just taking the big picture view. In what ways does this scene connect to themes of the movie, or in what ways do we get some character development or some new insights into the characters from this scene in particular? Well, it kind of goes back to the idea of doing something or doing nothing, although Diana doesn't realize quite yet that uh, Steve plans on disobeying the generals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think her natural instinct is to want to help, and especially after she thinks the generals are dishonorable. Uh, she probably completely plans to go off and do just that. Uh, but at this moment, I think she's angry at Steve because she thinks he's betraying that very principle that he told her about. Yeah. Yeah, and it was part of like how their bond started, you know, back mm-hmm. at the mascara where, oh, she's... Like when he said that, you know, you could do something, that was what she kind of needed to hear or the final little push that she needed to go grab her Wonder Woman costume and go off on this journey and stuff. Um, So, yeah, I definitely see that theme. We've phrased it um, this way for the theme overall. We said, when you see an injustice, you should do something. And we took that do something phrase, you know, like right from Steve. And it's repeated a lot throughout the movie. And the general, yeah, telling them explicitly do nothing. And of course, Diana needs to do something. And here we find out Steve needs to do something. I think also this connects to the theme of mankind and that mankind does not deserve to be saved, but we should actually save them anyway. Mm -hmm. That's a theme that we've talked about. And those generals that we just saw are kind of very frustrating and they reveal some of the, I don't know what you'd call it, like people on their high horse and leadership that's not kind of really taking into consideration how it's affecting the lives of other people and people who are lower down in the social stratus. Exactly. But even with that being said and being seen, we should actually still save mankind like overall, even with all its flaws and its uh, cruel leaders and everything, we should still save them. Exactly. <laughs> They're jerks, but she'll save them anyways. Right. <laughs> I think there is also some character insight here, even though it's a short scene. Uh, I think for Steve, it's important that he sees Diana's passion and her conviction and like how strongly Diana stood up for what she believes in. Right. And Steve was a witness to that. Right. So that can help him develop an admiration and, you know, feelings toward Diana, like of respect, but also just kind of maybe being impressed with her strength and stuff. Exactly. So I, th- I think um, that is, you know, continuing to build that character, even though this is not like the boat conversation where they're just having like fun banter between each other, they are seeing each other's heart, you know, or seeing each other's convictions. And by the end of the scene, Diana will actually see like, oh, Steve is actually a little bit better than I feared, you know, so that's a good right. thing for her to see too. Exactly, because the, the Amazons are much more, you know, they're, they're much more egalitarian. So I think him seemingly, you know, obeying the generals' orders, even though they're ridiculous, you know, she sees that as a bit of a betrayal. You know, she thought that he was better than that. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, she's so disappointed that the generals don't consider what Steve has to say and that he let them walk all over him. And it's it's a much more lighthearted scene than her disappointment in Steve and mankind later on in the film. But it's yeah, I think I think she feels like Steve has let her down (laughs) for just a moment here. Yeah, he, she definitely has at the beginning of the scene. So if we go through the scene, uh, she starts by saying, like, that's your leader. Like, she's so mm-hmm. disenchanted. and like You didn't stand your ground. <laughs> yeah, so she thinks the leader is rubbish, and but she also calls out Steve for, like, you just handed over the book, that's it? Like, and then you didn't stand your ground? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right now, or at the beginning of the scene, her frustration extends to Steve also. Exactly. Yeah, and she's totally right. Like, so I mentioned uh, in our last episode that that's one of my favorite scenes, like to see Diana just give it to those generals. Mm-hmm. I thought that's great. But then Diana loses me a little bit because she goes like, this is Ares, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, OK, Diana, you know, it's like, uh, and she says, you know, Ares is not going to allow a negotiation or a surrender. So I'm kind of like, Diana, you were so awesome telling off those generals, but <laughs> you still are pretty naive and like what you think is going on here I, yeah she's still she's still thinking um this that, that this world doesn't make any sense like she's she's used to the way that the amazons do things which i i think you know everybody gets a say and uh, you know this this whole thing where the the um the generals and steve are all not quite clicking i guess mm-hmm. she she doesn't understand that and so it, she's still clearly thinking like an amazon would or mm-hmm. And I guess not like all Amazons, but like how she's been thinking this whole time that it's it's Ares. It's this very simple thing that somehow Steve and the generals are not grasping. Yeah. <laughs> and she's so, you know, what you said kind of made me think of it, too. Like she's seeing it not just as any Amazon, but as herself, where she was the child who was told the like bedtime stories. Mm-hmm. And she never got to go out and have the experiences and the wars and all the worldly stuff that the other Amazons had. She had completely sheltered kind of life from, you know, the beginning. Mm-hmm. So she's even has like more naivete than other Amazons would who have been out with right. mankind in the past and stuff. Well, it's admittedly what she knows because it's, right. uh, I mean, we don't get to see a whole lot of Themyscira. We only got to see like a few days there but the impression you get is that it's a very peaceful place Mm -hmm. and that they're very diplomatic and i mean i'm sure that they fight as well but Mm -hmm. they they probably have more egalitarian ways of solving their problems Mm -hmm. so (laughs) she thinks that that's the ideal way to live and it probably is so why wouldn't why wouldn't everyone try to do it that way yeah so she i think she's the one she thinks that they're all stupid for not doing that right (laughs) for not for not seeing how simple the solution is to their problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I give her a lot of credit for, you know, her critique of that leadership. And mm-hmm. she is able to give that critique because she has these fresh eyes of, you know, like, right. I know that this can be a different way. It does not have to be the way that you seem to think it is in terms of, like, how to lead this war and how to make decisions and stuff. Right. There's this juxtaposition of she has a very insightful critique of the leadership very passionate and to me like well-founded but then she has this naivete about Ares but to me that the fact that you have both of those together helps keep the character from being like just a stupid character and what I mean by that is like we've talked about in other episodes 
Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot said, we want Diana to be naive, but we never want her to cross over into seeming stupid or we don't want her to just play dumb. We want her to be naive because she has a worldview and a perspective and she has this optimism. But to me, it does not come across as dumb at all, even when she brings up her Aries stuff. Because she just made a very good critique and she just made some like good points and just took it like told it right to that general. Well, it's also because it, it, it makes sense from her perspective based on what she knows and the information that she has. It's she's not stupid. It's merely ignorance, which I know normally has a negative connotation, but it just means that you don't know something and you mm-hmm. can't expect her to know these things because she literally she literally just came here like yesterday. So mm-hmm. she she has no idea how anything outside of the paradise that she lived in works. Mm-hmm. She And it makes her feel like a more real character too. So she's right about a lot of things, but she's not right about everything. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about Ares. So she says, Ares is not going to allow a negotiation or a surrender. Mm-hmm. So like one, one thing for me that I think is cool about that line is in the last scene... It was Sir Patrick who says, like, we need to make sure the armistice happens because that will end the war. So we just saw Sir Patrick in favor of the armistice. And now Diana is like, Ares will never allow the armistice. So that's just kind of ironic that she is wrong about that. Like, the real Ares has a different plan for that armistice. He knows that the armistice is going to lead to, like, more problems rather than solving them. Indeed. So that's kind of of an interesting uh, little connection there. Um, but you had some thoughts, too, about just the Ares character and how Diana's kind of talking to him uh, about him here as, like, not allowing a surrender to happen. Well, it was just um, an observation about uh, sort of the portrayal of Ares as a character in this movie. It seems like a combination of the traditional Ares as, you know, this armored villain with the New 52 portrayal where he's this frail old man who has a more nuanced view of the concept of war he's not it's funny actually because he's not really evil in the in the new 52 run but um like he i guess sort of is here but it's he still his plan is a bit more complex it's not about directly controlling people and making them do bad things it's all about just it's a bit more complicated and, and less straightforward but it involves just letting people give in to their baser instincts and mm-hmm. let them be the instrument of their own destruction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe he just pulls some strings, but it's not really him directly. Yeah, so that that Ares in, like, the New 52 version, it's almost like that Ares is just actually very insightful about human nature, mm-hmm. or at least kind of, you know, men or man's world. Right. Uh, and so because he realizes humans' true nature, like where they have some violent tendencies and stuff, he just can realize like, oh, I can basically just let them go and it will do what seems to be the god of war kind of stuff. Well, exactly. And it's it's why he can push for the um, the, the armistice because, you know, he knows that it's not going to be that simple given what uh, Dr. Maru and Ludendorff are working on. This is actually just going to be the prelude to, you know, even greater destruction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he can take Diana has this idea that it's, you know, it's this cackling mustache twirly villain mm-hmm. somewhere um, controlling everybody. But really, he's got a, a much more nuanced plan. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, going forward in the scene, we get a big shift in the scene. So, like, so far, it's been just a continuation of Diana chewing out the, the leaders and being very frustrated in what she's seen in Man's World and stuff, and her losing respect for the way that the men are, are handling themselves. But then there's a big pivot, um, because Steve says, you know, we are going anyway. You know, it's like, <laughs> so she was thinking that he was giving up and was just, like, you know, saying, oh, I turn over the book, that's it. But he's actually saying, like, no, we're going anywhere. We're going to do something. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on now, the rest of the scene is is different and takes on a different tone. And it also shifts to it kind of like pierces the emotional bubble by now having some levity, some humor here. Like Diana steps back and actually says, like, you mean you were lying? <laughs> you mean you were lying? <laughs> oh, gosh, I love that. People I, like people keep using that as like a like on social media. Oh, as yeah. One of the- like a reaction gif. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it works pretty well. <laughs> I, I love that. I love the way she says it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and, you know, he has his, you know, response to, I'm a spy, it's what I do. Yeah. But they, they are now talking about, like, okay, like, you were lying in there, are you lying to me? And then that, that leads to the lasso, which is kind of a nice thing, right? He, The lasso was used on him to interrogate him on Themyscira against his will, but now it's a nice moment here where he pulls out the lasso and he puts it around his own wrist. And he's like, okay, <laughs> you know, we're talking about lying here, but now this means I'm telling the truth. So it's a really right. coo- cool use of the lasso, I thought. It's a very efficient way to convince her, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he does that, too. And it's staying in this kind of more humorous ending to the scene um, because it kind of becomes funny when he says, you know, we're going, to, I'm going to take you to the front. We're going to do this. Then he starts to almost reveal more than he intended to. And he's like saying, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. We're probably going to die. So in the scene, it's funny. But then by the end of the movie, we, we realize that was directly a foreshadowing of Steve's death. You know, so exactly. there's a lot of these kinds of foreshadowing that are strewn about the movie. Oh, gosh, so many. And actually, this scene the first time I saw it in theaters, it was almost kind of like a misdirect to me because I remember thinking, oh, Steve is probably going to die in this movie. I, I sort of thought that back uh-huh. when the movie was first announced. Um, oh, wow. Well, at least when they we knew that Steve Trevor was going to be in it. I thought mm-hmm. to myself, well, he's probably going to die because he's, you know, <laughs> Diana's probably mourning him in Batman v Superman. But mm. but then, you know, I I think when I when I got to this part and he said, we're probably going to die, in my head I thought, well, maybe that means now he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> like it was it was just said so in you know in such a funny way such a funny casual way that I thought mm-hmm. I don't know or maybe the next movie will also take place in the past and he could still be around and <laughs> mm. yeah I mean his his death is foreshadowed multiple times in the film and in multiple different ways you know several different scenes with different tones but I it is kind of cool that it's said in rather humorous way here it's it's kind of like the um the alleyway scene which is was kind of like a fun preview to the the no man's land scene. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like a a fun preview to his death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like Etta Candy when she first arrives in the movie and she says, you know, I thought you were dead. Like that also is done in like a humorous way. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's like a an effective way to foreshadow is to actually do it through humor, right? Rather than doing like a very kind of serious like, oh. I've, I feel like I'm not going to see you again, you know, like like a very serious sort of foreshadowing. Exactly. In retrospect, it's, yeah. it's really genius. But it, it, at first I thought, oh, well, now that they said it, it probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that's good with the, the truth telling here from the lasso is when he says, like, 
this is going to be very dangerous, um, then he, that leads him to say we're going to need reinforcements, which is a direct lead-in to the next scene. And we've been covering this in like most of our episodes for Wonder Woman, that this movie is definitely written in a way where they put connective tissue where the end of one scene just directly points you right to that next scene. Right. And this one is, you know, no exception where he literally says we're going to need reinfo- reinforcements and then the next scene is going to be them like going to meet their reinforcements. So it's all very linear. Like, you know, each scene just connects right to the very next one almost every time. Right, right. And I love these guys. <laughs> <laughs> the ones coming up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, the only other thing I had to say too about this scene before we get to that one is... Um, they also, in a broader sense, they weave into the dialogue and the movie. They weave in, like, the bigger picture of where they're going. So with the generals in the last scene, they say, like, oh, the front. Like, that's where they're going to have the gas. They're going to use the gas on the front. And so that is letting us know that, like, the broader momentum here is that this group of people that we're following are going to end up at the front. Kind of on a meta level, they, in the dialogue, tell us where things are headed and then on a micro level, just from one scene to the next, they tell us exactly what the next scene is going to be. Right. Although some people still seem to be confused that the front is actually in Belgium and not Germany. Yeah. I've, so, <laughs> they I've don't, they, also they don't been surprised. They don't state that as explicitly. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting to those scenes pretty quickly, and we can try to clear that up. I was also surprised, because when I've watched it, to me it's pretty, pretty obvious that they're in Belgium they literally say where it is on the map and they say that's where we're going and all this stuff. I guess, yeah, it just depends on how much knowledge people have of Europe. Or maybe they just think, World War One, the bad guys are Germans, so it's Germany. Like, it's just yeah. that. <laughs> that's all, yeah. It's just a tiny thing. I see people make that mistake sometimes and I usually don't correct it, but... Yeah. I If they also say that they're fighting the Nazis, I, I usually do try to correct that one and say, like, oh, right. na- Nazis didn't exist yet. This is World War One, but Not it, quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> building up to that, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. But all right, I think that will do it for us for this scene. Uh, it was good talking about it with you. Our next scene, we might actually pop over to Justice League for a moment. But we'll be back to Wonder Woman before very long. So thanks so much to everybody for listening and for your support. And thanks also to Suicide Squadcast and Man of Steel Answers.